may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek not the things which are Jesus Christ, but you know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose to send to you Ephroditus, my brother and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. Father, so by the wonderful divine presence of sovereignty here this afternoon. Thank you for Brother Gravely and how you put the burden of this meeting on him and how the church, Bible Baptist Church, has helped carry the burden and the load. Now, Father, I pray that you bless every individual in the, in the service this afternoon. Lord, I pray to give us grace. I pray you'd strengthen and settle and establish our hearts. I pray the will of God to be done. I pray that you'd meet with us in every service, every preacher, or the anointing of God, the unction of God. And I pray that you'd help us this afternoon just for a few moments in the Word of God. And we'll bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm uh, really preaching a message, I guess, a little bit out of character for me uh, that uh, I never have really just sat down and preached on the subject that I'm going to preach on today. But my heart is burdened, and, and uh, not just burdened, but I'm a little bit upset that what I'm seeing in the men of God that we have in our day. And uh, I'm interested in Paul, and I'm interested in Timotheus, and I'm interested in Ephrodotus, and where Paul said, uh, I trust the sin to move this unto you shortly. And then he said in verse 24, but I trust the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. I guess if I had a title tonight, uh, this afternoon, I'd preach on the subject, we'll be there shortly. And, and uh, how the, we have got to get some men of God to the right place at the right time. Now, I'm interested in the kind of men that are pastoring our baby's churches. I'm interested in the evangelists that are preaching revivals. But this afternoon, I'm desperately upset at some of the missionaries I'm seeing that we're sending on the mission field. Don't get quiet right there. Every one of them, every one of them ain't, ain't filled with the Holy Ghost. Every one of them ain't saved. And uh, as I study this subject of missions, uh, there's a lot of shysters in our day uh, and a lot of charlatans in our day. Uh, and we got a lot of people wasting money in missions. And we have got to get a keen eye to what's going on in our missions program. And so today uh, on the subject, we'll be there shortly. The underlying question is this. What kind of men are we putting on the mission field is a question. And I'm asking you today. I told you this out of character for me. Uh, but beloved, uh, we ought to get a burden for missions. The world's going to die without God and go to hell. If God don't raise up more men of God that are qualified to handle this Bible and to take the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ for the lost and dying world, have we soon forgot that Jesus still saves? He's saved from sin. He's saved from hell. And we've got to have men that no God to go on the mission field in our day. First of all, let's study the Apostle Paul. Amen. He heard the call of God. First of all, he heard the Master's call to salvation. He was saved. I believe every preacher ought to be saved by the grace of God, don't you? Amen. That's step number one. Paul got transformed. He got converted. He got born again of a good old-fashioned way. Saved, saved, saved by the grace of God. 
power was born again. Now, are you born again this afternoon? God, Paul was a minister of Satan if there ever was one. I thought about this afternoon, Brother Simpson, one of the most deceived men that ever walked on the face of God's green earth was Saul of Tarsus. He thought he was saved, thought he was doing God's work, thought he was doing God's will, but he was the biggest minister of Satan that there ever was. He tore the churches down. He consented unto the death of Stephen. I mean, he he destroyed the faith. The Bible said, the thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what Saul did. He killed, he stole, and he destroyed. He killed Christians, he destroyed the faith. He tore down churches. But one day God said, that's enough of that big boy. The devil, you've had him long enough. And on the road to Damascus, God came and put him under conviction. And he that used to destroy the faith is now saved by the grace of God. What a conversion, what a trophy of the grace of God today. If God, he got saved, amen. And when he got saved, it scared a few folk. It upset that Judaizing crowd. You know what they called him? They called him the Judas of Judaism. They called him a traitor. They called him a turncoat. God, it don't bother me for the world to call me a traitor and a turncoat. I'll never forget when I got saved. I went home that night. I said, Mom, I just got saved. She said, you sure you ain't drunk? I said, no, I'm not drunk. I just poured it out. Saved by God's amazing Christ. I'll never forget that crowd I used to party with got worried about me. I didn't show up the next night for the party. I didn't show up the next weekend for the party. I didn't show up that two weeks. And after about a month, an old fella uh, met my brother uptown one day. He said, Matthew, what in the world's happened to John? Uh, we ain't seen him at the party. Has he died? Have you buried him? Is, is he in the hospital? And Matthew looked at him and said, no, he got saved. He got born again. He got washed in the blood. He's living for God now. I'm telling you, convert it. And I believe every man of God ought to be saved by God's amazing grace. Amen. Not just the missionaries, but the pastors and evangelists. Have you been born again? I get sick of hearing these guys come present their burdens and they don't never say nothing about being saved. They don't never say nothing about being born again. Brother, I tell you, that ought to be the first thing out of a missionary's mouth when he gets up to present his work. Hey, can I, I can take you to the place. I can tell you the time where God saved me and God changed me and God came down and God did a work. If you can't get excited about your testimony, don't expect nobody else to get excited about it yourself. Praise God, he heard the master's call out of salvation. Aren't you glad for that day when there's a voice from the excellent glory? He called out your name and it drew you and you got saved. That's the apostle Paul. He heard the master's call to salvation. Oh, but then he heard the ministry's call to service. Brother, I tell you, God calls men to preach. You don't go on a mission field because it's a good idea. You don't pick your mission field out. I tell you what God done. God will give you a specific place. Amen. God has got the fruit on a man that is God called to preach. I had the privilege one time of sitting down eating lunch with Brother Milford Biddle. And I said, Brother Biddle, would you tell me about when you got saved and God called you to preach? 
preach. And in the process of that testimony, Brother Bitter looked up at me. He said, Brother John, he said, there's two things that come along with a call of God to preach. Number one, there'll be an anointing. There'll be a touch. There'll be a witness. He said, number two, there'll be a message from a land that's fairer than day. If you ain't got no touch and you ain't got no message, you better check up and see whether you're God called to preach or not. We got enough of this mama called and daddy said mess. We need God called men. God calls men to preach. You better preach with God's call. There's two things I know. I know I'm saved. I don't know, I'm God called to preach. God called to preach. You don't do it because it's a good idea. Amen. You don't leave out here and go to Nebraska or go to Kansas or go to New Mexico. You don't even go across the county unless the Holy Ghost told you to, unless there's a call of God. God calls men to preach. So why are you preaching today? You in it for the popularity? You in it for the fame? You in it for the pats on the back? Some of you young preachers, all you, I do see the names on the marquees and you see us getting a pulpit and you see and you see, and you see the, uh, the church stuff, but you don't see the behind the scenes stuff of the sleepless nights and the burdens and the heartaches and the hilltops and by the way it's worth every bit of it that's why we got men that ain't being used to God they ain't willing to pay the price and to have the touch of God in your life he had heard the call the ministry's call to service oh but then I like this one he had heard the Macedonian call to sinners dying without God and going to hell. There's an old fella over there in Macedonia. Come over and help us. Amen, mother. Have you heard the Macedonian call today? Wouldn't it be good if some old fella got under a burden today and said, hey, God's called me to preach. And God has called me to go on the mission field. I'm praying God I ring somebody's number in here today. I'm praying God and raise up more men of God, more evangelists, more pastors, more missionaries we've got to get with it and get the gospel out what kind of men are we sending on a mission field I ain't nothing worse than seeing a dead preacher preaching the living word of God to a dead congregation amen one, one experience of mine hey sir, we went over to India and we preached and they give me an interpreter. Interpreters ain't never bothered me. As long as I'm getting to preach it, I can stop every 30 seconds, believe it or not. Let him catch up. His name was Abraham. I called him Father Abraham for two and a half weeks. I looked at him after about two days. He looked about half give out. I said, you ain't having trouble keeping up, are you? He said, absolutely not. I said, you let me know. We'll send some grease. We'll send for some grease fittings and put them on your jaws, Brother Abraham. God, we gotta get with it. The world's going to hell. Amen. We need men that are safe. We need men that are sent. We need men that's got a burden for the lost and dying world. Hey, good neighbor, the mission field need a vacation. What you think? Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm getting, I'm getting, help me, Jesus. 
I'm getting so sick of these missionaries raising support just so they can live comfortable. Amen. But most of these nationals coming to the United States of America ain't got no business coming over here. I didn't say all of them. I said most of them. I had a Filipino one day and I love Filipinos. I've been there and want to go back. Can I ask him, I said, why are you in America raising support? He said, well, I can live off about 10 or $15 a day, just me and my wife. But I want to raise four or $5,000 a month so we can live comfortable and live rich. I said, buddy, you done told the wrong preacher that. If I could remember his name right now, I'd call it, I'd tell them a bunch of shysters and low down egg suckers. Ain't got no business of raising support in America. Somebody say man right there. Don't get quiet on me just cause I'm up here telling the truth. All right, any of you that don't like what I'm preaching, I'm not trying to be rude. Any of you that don't like what I'm preaching right now, you go buy me and you an airplane ticket. You pick any country you want to. Let's go to India, let's go to the Philippines, let's go to Mexico, and let's mean you go to their nation and try to raise support ourselves and see how that goes. Woo, shouldn't have said that. Too late, I done put her out there and I ain't taking it back. <laughs> Amen to God, you know I'm telling it right. Oh, don't get quiet on me. I know when I hit a stump, I didn't say every national was crooked. I didn't say every one of them was wrong. I'm telling them to be checked out. And they're coming over here and people got to put words in their mouth. They can't even testify, can't even preach. Now I know when I hit, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I know when I hit a stump and I just hit one a minute ago and honey, I'm fixing to back up and plow it up until you get a good grin on your face. We better check our missionaries out. We better check the locals out. We better check the nationals out. We better make sure that they're saved and that God called to preach and they love God. Amen. Is that right? So we, he heard the call of God. So what kind of missionaries were sending out? Paul, he heard the call of God. But not only was he saved, serving God, he was spirit-filled. Let me, let me just hit this just for a minute. I'll tell you what, I, they, they, some of these guys can't preach themselves out of a wet paper bag. I appreciate the numbers. I appreciate the statistics a little bit. But after about two minutes of that, I want to know what you know about the Bible. I want to know if you can take a text and preach. I mean, we're taking on guys. Have you ever sent a missionary down and said, now look here, if I was a lost sinner on the mission field and I came to you, what would you tell me? Do you know what they're going to do? They're going to pull the Romans road out and the Ephesians bypass out and they're going to lead somebody and a one, two, three, repeat after me, a bunch of uh, liberal hogwash. They ain't soul winners. They're soul damners and they're sinning sinners to hell without God. Is my spirit okay today? Because I really feel like I got a lot more boldness coming after this first point. Brother, I tell you right now, we got to, you don't lead somebody, just let them sign a five by seven card, dunk them in a baptismal pool, go down a dry center, come up a wet center, all cause a missionary can put it on his, uh, put it on his uh, newsletter that it had a hundred sheep. I'd rather hear a missionary say, hey, we've been laboring all year and didn't have nobody saved, but we've been trying, we've been planting, we've been watering, and you pray God, we'll send an increase. One more personal illustration. I was in India, 
There's about six or seven hundred, six or seven hundred people come out in the middle of the day to hear an old redneck from America preach the gospel. And uh, I, I got to preach. About, I, give a, I give a clear invitation. Don't come down. I don't want to pray for your cow right now. I'll do that in 30 minutes. Don't come ask me to pray for your education or your chickens. And that's a legitimate prayer request in a third world country. And uh, I said, if you're actually, God spoke to you about being a Christian, about being born again. Won't you come on? I want to have prayer with you. I wasn't about, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Brother Gravely, and said, you go down there with the interpreter and talk to every one of them. There's about 40 or 50 people come. And uh, boy, I said, now, did you come to get saved? Oh, I need you to pray for my cow. Go sit down. We'll pray for that later. I done told you once. If that had been most American evangelists, they'd have said, now, repeat this prayer after me in their newsletter. Oh, we had 50 saved in one service. We got a Japanese word for that where I come from. It's called hagewashi. Amen to God. I feel like preaching a little while this afternoon. And God, I'm tired right now. We better get back out of being real with sinners. Well, I don't know if Brother Blue would be proud of me right now or not. Roughest missions message I ever heard. <laughs> Spirit filled, buddy. Brother Sammy Allen was right. You got to spend more time with God than you do anybody else. Brother Blue was right. Get the gospel out to the right kind of people. We'll be there shortly. Number two, let's talk about Timothy just for a brief moment. Timothy, what? Paul heard the call. Verse number 20, read with me in your Bible. For I have, talking about Timothy, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally, he didn't have to fake it, it just came natural, who will naturally care for your state. Timothy, he had a heart that actually cared for the people. Where's the pastors that'll weep over his congregation? Where's the evangelist that'll go get the pastor in the morning and say, Pastor, I got a burden for your church. Let's go over to the church and get on the altar and pray. Even if it means all day. Where's the, where's the priest, but where's the missionary? Where's the missionary that would stand before a congregation? And say, y'all got to help me get to the mission field. Them people's dying without God and going to hell. They don't know how to live right. They don't know how to walk right. I got to win them in the chapel. And I tell you, Timothy, he didn't care about himself. He cared about that crowd that he's trying to get to. It was evidenced. It was evidenced by a similar spirit. Not a familiar spirit, but a similar spirit. The apostle Paul and Timothy and Ephroditus had something in common. And that main thing that they had in common was something that I, the Bible calls unity. They were unified. They were unified in doctrine. They were unified in their separation. They were unified in the witness. They were unified that they were all saved. They were unified they were called. They were unified by the cross. I mean, we may disagree on whether the prodigal was saved or lost, but we surely we can agree that you must be born again. Surely we can agree that, that Jesus was born of a virgin. Surely we can agree that he was a sinless son of God. Surely we can agree that there's power in the blood of the Lamb of God. Surely we can agree that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. They had a unity. I ain't hooking up with a bunch of Catholics. We ain't in unity on doctrine. 
I ain't looking up with a bunch of perverts because we ain't in unity. But I can look up with these men. I know them. I know their doctrine. Paul said, you know my manner of life. You know how I live. Something, something in unity. Well, let's hasten along. He didn't seek his own, verse number 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, Timothy, he didn't seek his own. He lived that selfless life. Not selfish, but selfless. See, and I know I'm preaching on missions, but let's just throw all us preachers in the same pot just for a minute. Most men of God, the only reason they want to acquire full-time status is so they can be lazy. Amen to God or not. Don't bother me when I, got, I ain't got means to get up and go to work. And God's working on that right now. It don't bother me one bit. And brother, it ought not bother you if you ain't got nothing going on to go get you a part-time job or something. And when the day comes, and I get sick of these guys, were you full-time? Yeah, I'm full-time. I'm saved and born again. God called to preach 24 hours a day, seven plus five days a week. What you got that full of pride, bunch of junk for? Amen. He was selfless. He had put others before himself. He wasn't a self-promoter. Oh, I about forgot that one right there. I'm so sick of this self-promoting junk we got going on in our day. It ain't even fun. You young, you young preachers look up in there at me real good. When you first start out, it's going to be all about you. And one day you're going to fall in love with the people and it's going to be all about the people. And then after a few years and a few hard knocks and you're getting thrown in the ditch a time or two, you're going to realize it wasn't worth doing it for me. It wasn't worth doing it for the people. But oh, glory to God, it's worth doing it for Jesus. He said that in all things, that in all things, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. And if you let Jesus have the preeminence in your heart and he's first in everything in your life, nothing else will matter. He wasn't, he wasn't a separate. So I've been praying. I've really been praying. I, I want to I I open doors, don't you? I want to preach. I want to get on the mission field. I want to be used as an evangelist. I need monthly support. I need all that. And for a month, no pats on, don't pat me on back for a month and a half. I've been on my knees begging God. I've been begging him. I mean, every day of my life, I've been begging God. Would you show me how to promote a ministry? without promoting myself. God, I don't want my picture everywhere. I really don't want my name everywhere. Your name's more important. And the Holy Ghost, he said, if you so soon for God, how many times Brother Sammy quoted the verse to you that if we'd humble ourselves up underneath the mighty hand of God, that in due time, that in due time, that in due time, he would exalt us. Paul said, Academy people put me in the ministry. I tell you, we get to praising him and exalting him and put ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Quit this bunch of self-promoting foolishness. You're going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ for promoting yourself more than you did Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Am I telling it right? He, he didn't seek his own. He wasn't a self-promoter. He was a son to the older preacher. That's the kind of men we need on the mission field. That's got a father in the faith. Every one of us on the platform. Especially us three, we're the same age just about. Our fathers are going on. Brother Stan, it's going on. Brother 
Henderson's gone on, Brother Allen's gone on. I mean, I don't talk about this men in a bad way around us. It won't turn out good. But we can honestly God say we grabbed a hold of their coattail and time it was until it was time to turn loose. And just like Elijah told Elisha, I'm leaving on out of here. And you're gonna have to go on without me. And that's what we're having to do. Hey, man, what are we going to do, quit when our heroes die? Or are we going to do like Paul told Timothy, but continue in the things which thou hast learned of me? Stay with it. Don't quit. It was good enough for Paul. It'll be good enough for us. He was a son. He was a servant. He served well. A servant. But you know, I like being called evangelist, don't you? You like being called pastor. Be called assistant pastor. One day it might be pastor. Like be called doctor. But none of us would get too excited if we were referred to as servant. <laughs> By the grace of God, call me one all you want to. I want to serve him. That's what I want to be. When that prodigal got in that hog pen, he didn't say, I want to go back and get my own bed again. I don't want to go back and get my money back if he'll just let me be a servant. So it's a problem a lot of, he, Timothy actually cared. He was a servant. And our heart is always exposed by our speech. Out of the abundance of the heart speaketh the mouth. He was a servant. There's a heart he actually cared about the people he's preaching to. He longed, boy, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he had a heart for them. See, when we get, when we get self out of us, all this selfish junk out, we can make a difference in the congregations we preach to. We can. How can, how can a man get up and, and, and for lack of a better vocabulary, how can a man get up and just rip it up? And I mean night after night, rip it up. And people come to the altar. And when it gets done preaching and rebuking their sin, they come to him, shake his hand, hug his neck, tears running down his shoulder, and say, thank you for preaching to me. I love you. It's because they know that man loves them and has got their best interest in mind. And when they know he loves, and he ain't got no ulterior motives, and he's doing everything he can to help God's people, they'll take it. There'll be some old buzzard in the bunch that won't like it. There'll be some, oh boy, he's, he's rude in speech. What, he needs to work on his pulpit manners. <laughs> like we're gonna break, break it in right this way. Yeah, amen. <laughs> pulpit manners, he got no homiletics. I took every one of them classes in Bible college and enjoyed every one. My memory serves me right. I think I failed pulpit speech and pulpit manners. I didn't cuss though, because you know better than cuss for that crowd, amen. They wouldn't put up with that junk. I ain't cussed today. He ain't going to neither. <laughs> Thirdly, and I'm done. You got Paul, he heard the call of God. You got Timothy, he had a heart that cared. But Ephroditus in our text, he had a heaviness that consumed. Read what your Bible says. Yet I supposed it necessary to send you, Ephroditus, my brother, for he longed after you all, verse 26, and was full of heaviness. Beloved, he had a heaviness for these people. 
He, had a, he went to bed with a burden on his heart for the people. He was consumed with this burden. And in this being consumed with his heaviness, he was consumed with it to the people that he was to minister to. We see his dedication. He didn't move. He was staying right where he was. He wasn't moving for nothing. We see that he was a decorated soldier. He said, my brother, my companion in labor, my fellow soldier, your messenger. He was a soldier that had earned his stripes. Then he was determined. He'd, in the face of death, he didn't quit on God. He was sick, nine to death. He could have used that as an excuse never to go, but he didn't. And I'm not fussing at men that have had sick wives and had sickness and they came. But Aphrodite didn't use that excuse. He stayed determined that he was going to do what God had called him to do. There's got to be a determination. And I'm done. I'm done, Pastor. There was a desire. He longed for him. Paul, Paul referred to Ephroditus as your messenger. Ephroditus has got the message of God. Neighbor, God's got a preacher for everybody. I'm convinced of that. And I wonder this afternoon if God spoke to any of the men of God to help you to get more determined and more serious about serving God. Maybe God's spoke to a man about the mission field and you're sick of wasting your life and your time. Well, these altars would be a good place to get on here and get it settled and get satisfied. There's a crowd. Hey, if there's somebody in here running from a call to preach, there's a crowd that's going without because you won't do the will of God. Hey, Jonah, Nineveh's waiting on you. Nineveh needs revival. Father, I thank you for the day as the pastor comes. I pray you bless him. Give him wisdom. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're standing.